Steve Dunn Podcast. I am joined today by Randy Chen. Randy and I went to college together, and we are both Duke basketball fans. It's not unusual for a Duke graduate to be a basketball fan, but Randy takes it to another level. He travels all around the world to attend Duke games and events, and he has become a member of the Duke basketball family through his attendance at K Academy, a fantasy basketball camp. Randy is incredibly knowledgeable about Duke basketball, and he's the most devoted fan I know. I enjoyed our conversation very much. Every time I run into a Cal fan, you know, they, they, and they realize I'm from Duke or I'm a Duke supporter, like, oh, yeah, Jason Kidd. You know, being Bobby Hurley was like the best moment of yeah. my, my life. I'm like, yeah, it must must be really great to be a Cal fan where that's the best moment is winning a second round game. That's right. Yeah. As opposed to winning five national championships. <laughs> so, yeah, there you oh, go. The endless banter that college <laughs> basketball provide. Oh. You and I met each other for the first time our freshman year in college mm-hmm. at Duke where we both lived in the Gilbert Adams dormitory. Both played trumpet in the band, mm-hmm. and uh, by the time we were seniors, we were living together in a house with three other guys off campus, and we've been in touch ever since. And you are in town now because later this afternoon, you and I are going to travel to Greenville, South Carolina, and watch Duke play Michigan State in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Yep, two versus seven. Two The two seed versus the seven seed. It has already been quite an eventful tournament in sense of March Madness in the truest sense of the word. There's been all kinds of upsets and close games. And I think you and I are both going into tonight with a little bit of trepidation about this team because they, they really run hot and cold. They've had a good season, but they have not been dominant, and they've lost a couple of games recently to teams that, in our assessment, they probably should have beaten. And I, there's a concern on my part about whether they've got that killer instinct that it takes to win when it's when everything is on the line, you know, to act grace under pressure that's required to be successful in the tournament. Yeah, there's a there's a famous sports columnist, Seth Davis, who's a Duke grad. He graduated in 92 as a Chronicle sports editor guy. And he has picked Duke in like the teens, like I think 14 overall consistently over the season because he talks about the fact that this team is young. I mean, I think it's like 330th out of all 360 Division One teams in average age. You know, the starters, three of the starters are freshmen, two of them are sophomores or you know, something along those lines. I think when Trevor Keel starts, that's the case. Um, and this team is tremendously talented, just like the recent Duke team since Kyrie was there. They're, they've just been filled with one-and-done yes. NBA types. Um, actually very similar to the Carolina teams that we lost to in the mid-90s, like when Vince Carter was there. Yes. And Anton Jim- like they had recruited like the best. Yes. And we're kind of at that point where the Duke brand as a basketball program is at its ultimate peak, so they almost can have their pick of different recruits, and so right. they're leaning into that. You need, like we talk about that all the time in the past, like to win the national championship, to have this run, you need to have three first-round draft picks, at least talent of that caliber, because when the chips are down, even – uh, you know, in the regionals, you need to have talent to win. And so they have leveraged that and they've done that. And this team is very much like that. 
you know, Paolo Bancaro is a top three pick. A.J. Griffin, in my estimation, Shea Serrano, all these other, like, NBA draft wonks, you know, he's yeah. risen in the standings to be a top five pick. Hmm. You know, uh, they have this seven foot one uh, center who's, you know, number two in the country in blocks. You know, like they, they have all the pieces to really be successful. They're very talented they, and yeah. they have the ability to win. And we came to watch them in this celebration in the Duke Carolina game. And it's almost like the celebrations to FET. Coach K and his final. Yeah. All right. So what you're talking about is we recently attended the Duke right. Carolina game at Duke. It was the last game of the season. Uh, it's always the last game of the season. The last game of the season is always Duke Carolina, and it's always either at Duke or Carolina, and it alternates from year to year. This year, it was at Duke, and it also coincides with the retirement of right. Coach K, who is, I think, the consensus is he's. Yeah, he's either the great. He's on the Mount Rushmore of college basketball coaches at a minimum. He's possibly the greatest of all time, depending on who you talk to. And this is his last game at home. Yeah, uh, at Cameron, Cameron. Inter- on on Coach K court. And you and I and some of our buddies from college, as and the entire Duke basketball family, including former players and ninety six former players, are all there uh, <laughs> to celebrate and send off this man. And here's what's also going on. Duke is very highly ranked in the country, has just won the ACC regular season, uh, is riding high, heading into the postseason, feeling really good. And Carolina had struggled. Uh, it, it was unranked, uh, did not have uh, as strong of a season as they often do. And I think you and I and most other people there thought that this was going to be a very straightforward – oh, and Duke, by the way, had beaten Carolina by 20 points <laughs> earlier in the season right. when they played before. And so I think we all kind of thought that we were going to go into this and uh, win the game, right? And well, it, that afternoon, I, I remember distinctly, you had said, I'm expecting a 20-point win. Right. And I kept saying the whole afternoon, I'm like, I just want to win, man. Yeah. I, win by one's fine by me. You know, just – I just want to win. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I was I don't trying care. to manifest it, man. You know what I mean? Like, I, what I <laughs> what I didn't want was a nail biter of a game. I didn't want to be stressed out the whole game. Right. I, I wanted to. I wanted it to just be. I, did, I wanted victory to be assured yeah. early, and for us to just be dancing around and celebrating yeah. the whole time. Obviously, and we've been was, in enough of these games to fully appreciate that the rankings didn't matter. Oh like, yeah. It just it, because this this game is about effort. It's about pride. Not everybody who listens to this pays attention to college basketball, That's true. and so it is yeah. important. We should we'd be remiss not to mention Duke lost the game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't even like close. No, it was, no, it's it was, the exact opposite of what you wanted to manifest. No, yeah, really. it, was, it wasn't. I mean, it was brutally frustrating, <laughs> and we had to as we're watching it, we're like going through kind of the stages of grief of like you're just like, huh. You know, something really, we need to kind of get it together here. <laughs> you know, and then like a few minutes later, you start thinking like, huh, you know, we could lose. And then it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from when that moment when you realize like we are going to lose this game. This no, is- actually, in fact, I think I think Coach K almost intentionally prolonged the pain <laughs> by <laughs> continuing to call timeout right. having us foul oh, down the stretch well, no, that's true. when the game was already fully out of hand. They were definitely <laughs> trying to keep the dream alive maybe yeah. a little bit longer. Even though we lost the game, yeah, I actually felt that it didn't matter. Like the game itself actually didn't matter because we've been following Duke basketball since high school. I went to international school in Taiwan. 
a lot of people always ask like, oh, how are you able to be a Duke fan like growing up in Taiwan? And uh, what had happened was I had some friends who were two years older and they, two of them had gone to Duke and they came back from their freshman first semester, the middle of my junior year. And they said, hey, Randy, we found the perfect school for you to go to. Yeah. You're this huge sports fan. You right. love basketball. You play the trumpet. You know, and at Duke, if you play the trumpet and you're part of the pep band, That's you don't right. have to camp out. You can go to all the games, and it's, like, super fun. And I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And I started looking into it. And I remember that year, March Madness, Final Four, we were playing Arkansas and Denver. I w remember watching it, and the first time they cut away to TV timeout, the Duke pep band was on TV. And they were playing devil with blue dress on. They had the blue and white rugbies, and they're, like, swinging their instruments back and forth. And I'm like, oh, I totally want to be in that yeah, shot like yeah. when I'm at Duke. And so I applied early. That was, was This was, like, December of 1990 when we got in. And then, like, we won the first national championship in 91. So I already had this feeling, like, oh, I'm I'm already go I'm going to Duke. I'm part of Duke. And we just won the national championship. And right. it was, like, the start of this journey yeah. of being, like, a – you know, part of the Duke basketball, yeah. you know, fam fandom, family, yeah. you know, stuff. And I so had a, I had a similar kind of thing because I was, I'm not from North Carolina originally. Mm -hmm. We moved here when I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And I, so I got here, I'd never heard of uh, two important things. I, I knew nothing about NASCAR and I knew nothing about ACC basketball. Right. So we show up here in North Carolina and, ACC basketball is such a big deal here that they literally, on ACC tournament day, where it used to be everybody played on that Friday, you basically wouldn't effectively have school like <laughs> because you would, they would wheel in the TV on the cart and we would watch the ACC basketball tournament in school for the entire day. And I thought that was awesome because as far as I was concerned, it was just like free day from school, right? So we start watching this thing, and for years – I just was kind of a Carolina fan because it was North Carolina and that was North Carolina. It was like the state school. And that was seemed to be like who most people were rooting for. You know, like it was the good team. It was the most popular team. So I was kind of like Carolina oriented until my uh, – whenever I visited colleges to decide where to go to college, it, I was actually going to visit Carolina. Uh, I was on this weekend trip to go to Carolina and I just thought, well, since – I didn't think anything of Duke. I just thought – like, I thought if I was going to go to Duke, I would rather just go to Harvard or something. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather – if I'm going to go to a school like that, I'd rather – I thought of Duke as being like a like a, like a wannabe Harvard or like a second tier. And like if I'm going to go to a place like that, I just want to go to the, the real one, right? So I didn't even give Duke a second thought. And so I went and visited the campus on this trip just because it was there. And instantly – I was just like, this is the place. I had been to Wake Forest. I had been to Carolina. I had been to a couple of other schools. As soon as I set foot on Duke campus, I just felt home. I, it felt like viscerally, uh, not on any kind of like rational sort of level. I just knew that it was my place. And I decided at that moment that I wanted to go. Got accepted. And only then did I begin to think about basketball at all <laughs> and that tournament the one you're talking about the one where duke 
uh, had lost to UNLV in like one of the biggest blowouts in tournament history the year right. before, and then in that tournament actually beat UNLV almost like miraculously. That was the first NCAA tournament I ever watched, and so I'm coming in like kind of same as you, like building up this like momentum. And then once you hit campus, as you well know, like they hit you hard as soon as you hit campus. Like, they came to our dorm. Do you remember this? Like, they gave a presentation oh, yeah. at the Tommy dorm. Tommy Amaker He was comes there. in. He shows you highlights from the year before. And they, they just tell you, like, here's how it works, all right? We're, we support this team. You go camp out. And everybody's just like, ah! You know, like, super enthusiastic. And it was just off to the races from there. Yeah, I, I, think, I think people forget that Duke basketball was – not the machine that it is today. They're educating their fan base on yeah. like what they what kind of support would be constructive, right? And do I totally remember that? Like Tommy Amaker was in the commons room yep. at GA and they were he was fielding questions. He was showing clips and talking about how excited he was going to be for this team. Uh, especially because they had already won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so it, was, it was unbelievable. You, that was they, they called them the Duke Skywalkers. And this right. was Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, and Grant Hill, all right. of whom had their jerseys retired. Yeah. They were all – our freshman year was just one of, if not the greatest basketball years that Duke has ever had. And we were there for the whole thing, and it was just an unbelievable experience. Oh. Culminating – I mean, the highlight of it, one of the highlights of my entire sports life – it was that game against Kentucky in the regional final, which is the the highlight of Leitner hitting the shot yeah. that gets shown, you know, a million times every year on TV. Yeah. We were there. You and I were both in the same central campus apartment, right? Top, we, top five highlight of my life. Sure. Period. Like, I mean, it's the, just unbelievable. Like, like, there's, like, getting married. There's the birth of your kids. <laughs> you know. And Christian, the Kentucky game. <laughs> yeah. And, and that game, like, we are in this small apartment yep. in central campus – and uh, we thought we were going to kill him. I mean, it was just like it was one of those things where uh, we're definitely going to make the Final Four. We had been ranked number one end to end the entire season, despite losing twice. Like it was just was magical things. Kentucky and, was down. They yeah. had like they've been off NCAA sanctions for a while. They had all these like kind of kind of just ragtag group of players. But a and, bunch and of the seniors. sanctions were pretty severe. I oh, mean, they yeah. were like paying players in shoeboxes of cash. Yes. You know? like, it was sure. kind of ridiculous. And uh, Kentucky played the game of their lives. They, like, took us, you know, this is what March Madness is all about. Like, Absolutely. you kind of have teams that will take you to the brink. And, and in fact, we were in over – and it was this amazing game where, like, you know, everyone was hitting everything. Like, from the 10-minute marker in the second half to the – to all the way to the end of the game, no one missed. Christian Leitner, one of the best college basketball players ever – didn't miss a shot the entire night. He was 100% from the field and 100% from the free throw line, including that last shot to win it. Right. I mean, it's just an unbelievable yeah. thing. So then it, it's over. We're immediately jumping up and down and hugging each other. And then we, we just – I just what I recall is we just ran – Right. Straight to West Campus. We're like, we ran outside, ran through the Duke Gardens. It's and dark. it wasn't just the two of us. No, it was, it was like all, hundreds no, the, of yeah, people. Yeah, the entire campus is like just sprinting. <laughs> All like all through as you look around, you're we're like running through the woods and yeah. the gardens, and then there's these other figures that are all running alongside to get to West Campus. And by the time I vividly remember this, the game ends, we within seconds we're running. By the time we got to West Campus, there was a raging bonfire already underway. I mean, I don't, I don't even, yeah. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I I remember hearing. 
that the times that they burned benches on campus for this bonfire are either we beat Carolina, we make it to the Final Four, right. or we win the national championship. Those were the three kind of accepted periods or events that, that would lead to a, a bonfire. And, and we beat Carolina. I think we did have a bonfire then, but it wasn't a – it, it wasn't this celebration in the same sense. Like, I don't think I've been in anything like that since. I recall what, that Carolina beat Duke that year, though, right? Well, we, beat, the, we lost to them in the Dean Dome. Yes. But we by, did beat. By a lot, right? I mean, I think they beat us quite handily. Well, I think. Oh, was that the game where did Grant break his foot that game? Oh, geez. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Uh, do you anyway. know about the time Grant Hill ran me over with his bike? No. Okay. So <laughs> it was the morning of a Carolina game. I don't remember if it was freshman year or sophomore year, but it's the morning of one of the Carolina games. And I had been up all night because I had an exam. I'm on West Campus at like 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking, and I'm kind of like, I got my, I'm kind of wrapped up in my own head because I have this exam coming up at 9. And the only reason I'm up at seven is because I've been up all night studying mm-hmm. for this thing. And all of a sudden, I'm on the ground. I just am just I'm looking up. I'm on my back on the grass, and I look up, and there's Grant Hill on his bike looking down on me. And he says, "I'm sorry about that, little man. Are you okay?" <laughs> he called me little man. I know you're pretty. I'm like large over dude. six feet tall, right? <laughs> I was skinny at that time, but I'm I was tall. He called me little. He said, "I'm sorry about that, little man. Are you okay?" And I look up and I see Grant Hill, and I was just like, "Hey, man, the question is, are you okay?" Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, we got that Duke's we, national championship title hopes <laughs> have been dashed by <laughs> yeah, exactly. Duke freshman Steve Dunn. Steve Dunn injured Grant Hill on this. Oh, that was blows his ACL out on a yeah. Man, that'd be that'd be horrific. Yep. Those were, well, I, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that after all these years, we're, we're talking about like freshman year in college, right? And that's when we met, and that's when all this happened, but. The nature of your fandom in particular has changed over the years, and I'm curious about it because you have become – I don't think it's any stretch to say that you are part of the Duke basketball family now. And I really – no, I mean, seriously, like you you literally know all of the people. And, like, Coach K himself – has an opinion on your ability to play basketball. You know what I mean? He has he has he knows your strengths and it's, weaknesses. It's, it's a very low it, No, he has a very <laughs> he has a dim opinion of it. But he knows how you play and what your tendencies yeah. are. And the reason is because you have participated in the K Academy for yeah. many years now consecutively where you get together over the summer each year and uh, a lot of the former players come and act as coaches yeah. or sort of adult participants. And, and through that and through attending, you always travel for the games, you always go to the tournament games, and through all that, you've gotten to know the K family and the daughters and the, the people yeah. who are involved in uh, the athletics department and a lot of the former players. You are friends with a lot of the former players. And so when we got together – a couple of weeks ago in Durham, it, the, it was a family reunion for the Duke program, but you yourself are reuniting with a lot of these people who have become your, your personal friends over the years. And I'm curious what that has done uh, to your perspective as a fan. The idea of being a fan, fanaticism, conjures all kinds of thoughts uh, of irrationality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And that's absolutely ac- uh, yeah, accurate. 
I uh, I live in Asia. The Duke Alumni Office did did suggest one day when out when they were visiting us and uh, me in Taiwan. They're like, "Hey, you're super into Duke basketball. You know, there's this other guy in Hong Kong named Eric Savage. He's also really into Duke basketball. You you should get together." And so I looked Eric up. I you know I travel a lot for my work, so I w- I went to Hong Kong and we had lunch at the um, the Conrad. And uh, he asked me his questions like, "Oh." what's the best thing you do in conjunction with Duke basketball? And I said, well, I go to the Duke Carolina game every year, I go to the final four and we win and all this stuff. It, it's, it's, it's the best. And he's like, no, 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 no. The best thing to do is to come to the K Academy fancy basketball camp. It is super fun and you would love it. And, and I was like, Eric, you understand that I'm like a five foot nine Chinese guy who doesn't play any basketball at all. Like, the closest I get to the court is literally, you know, in the 12th row of the Duke pep band, you know, <laughs> to the court. Like, I, I'm not a basketball. He's like, it doesn't matter. There are guys there that don't play any basketball. It's just come. Just, just come. And so I show up. I go to this camp and uh, get drafted by Chris Collins, you know. Uh, first of all, they make you go through these evaluation games, and, you know, I can barely dribble the ball. This you is know? one of the things – that I've observed about it is they take the games very seriously. It's oh. very competitive. Like it's you described it as a fantasy basketball camp, and that I think implies that it's more. It, let it be known that it is competitive, and people try hard. They're not playing at a high level, oh. but they are trying hard. Let me show you a great example of of why that of how that is the case, and I'm glad you bring this up. So they have these tryouts, and then they draft the teams. And all the coaches are ex-Duke basketball players. The very first game we played, our team had committed a foul. And the other team was, like, taking a free throw at the line. They missed the free throw. We don't box out. The team gets the, gets the rebound, puts it back in the hoop. And Chris Collins called timeout right away. <laughs> and we walk over. Yeah, did rake you over the coals? <laughs> no, exactly. That's exactly what happened. We yeah. walked there. And as soon as we get there in the huddle, he's like, "You mother effers! I didn't, e- I didn't effing come to this effing camp, you know, just so you guys wouldn't effing box out, you know. If I see that ever, at that point in time, I was like, I realized what Eric Savage was saying, and I was yeah. like, I'm coming back every single year. Yeah, of my life. yeah, you're getting the real experience. Yeah, right? and and, the, and the, they do take it seriously because they're all. First of all, Coach K is there the entire time. He only he play cares golf. about basketball. Listen, I, that's what I figured out from observing him. He is such a basketball nut. He sits there and watches these games mm-hmm. with these sixty and seventy year old men, like just lumbering up and down the court, and he's analyzing it yeah he cares he's like yeah. it's such an intense experience in that way and i think that's why people love it so much and, and also the way they run it it's it's it is very much the duke basketball family even after the games are over everyone's happy to see each see each other yeah coach k says almost the same thing every year at orientation he says like you know all of you guys are very successful what you do your doctors lawyers bankers business people you, you know if you weren't successful what you're doing you wouldn't be here but for the next five days, don't be that guy. Yeah. Leave that guy at home. Yeah. The next five days, if you commit yourself to your team to try to win this championship on Sunday, you'll become brothers for life. Which sounds so hokey. If you're not a Duke fan and you hate Co- Coach K, you'd be like, that is garbage. Yeah. But it is absolutely true. And that was what really Eric was trying to tell me. Yeah. Is that the bonds you 
create when you're kind of in the trenches, yep. you know, and you're trying, you like, you're pumping each other up and you're like your teammates on the ground, like you, you kind of like help them up or you're cheering for them and you're pulling together as a team, you know, when you're in the bunker, if you will, yeah. you know, fighting for this common goal, you do have this incredible bond that is deeper than just, you know, someone you go hang out and have beers with. I'll tell you, I've had some incredible experiences at camp. I've lost my front tooth. Yes, I remember that. You, I've, you've I've torn your calf. Torn my calf. Right? Yeah, I've torn a groin, and yeah. they sound super painful. But they're also seminal parts of being a basketball player. Yeah, like, that's true. Injuries are part of the game. I'll tell you what I love about what they do there, and they're very intentional about this. Is they really in, they encourage you guys almost to the point of insisting that you go for it. I, they they tell you. I've heard Coach K say more than once. Uh, by, by the way, the reason I know th- about this is because I've been your date for some of these things. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm like Cindy doesn't always come from Taiwan no. to attend the K Academy, so I've been your plus one yeah. at a lot of these events because I'm in Charlotte. I'm right down the road. It's yeah. easy for me to get there, and so I've I've been fortunate enough to attend a lot of this stuff. And I've heard him say, "Look." Go for it. You know, it's all about moments. And yeah. uh, I, that really resonates with me. I, I love the fact that they encourage you. You know, if you're open, you got to take that shot. They want you to take mm-hmm. that shot. This is a fantasy camp. That's right. You didn't come here to pass up these shots. Right. Your fantasy should be you take the shot and you make the shot. It's an incredible experience. Well, and one of the things that it does is it sets it up so that if you as if you're a person who travels to see games as you do, like you yeah. might see a game in Vegas or you might go to the Final Four. You might go to Madison Square Garden if they're playing like even whether it's preseason up there or whether you're in New York uh, for in Brooklyn for the ACC tournament, you're going to run into a lot of these yeah. same people yeah. who travel you know, like you do to go to these Yeah, these absolutely. Games. I mean that and this goes back to that the last Duke Caroline game that we're in during. This right. is why I said like the, the game was almost an afterthought because right. there were 96 players there and a good portion of them I have spent time with at camp, hung out with, had had drinks late at night, running into Grayson Allen and JJ Redick and you know high like even 2 days ago you know, uh, hugging out with Ricky Price and, and Will Avery and Robert I, Bricky. I just have to interrupt you there and just say I love that the first one that you named is Grayson Allen because that's going to be very triggering <laughs> to a lot of our audience members. Yeah, I'll tell you. Let me tell you a quick story about sure. Grayson Allen. Okay. So one of the wonderful things about camp is Coach K writes you a thank you note right after every camp. Like sure. every camper gets a thank you note that is – that that says something about his observation about you. Like right. the the last note I got was like, oh, you know, incredible. You've you've gone for ten years. That's thank you for supporting, you know, the team and everything. And and you've really gotten better over the years. Yeah, <laughs> which is, which is uh, one of my like all, like it's on my nightstand. Yeah, you know, like it's it's one of those things. Well, where he means it. Yeah. It's true. But and he, he observed the he fact is, that he has noticed that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it's been quite a journey. Um. The year Grayson Allen was a freshman, yeah, uh, we had won. He he was the assistant coach on the team, and I had made a small book, like a picture book of the weekend. This is a year after his freshman year. Yeah, yeah. so it was. They've the just won the year. national championship. No, so I, I the won. reason I ask is because he was such an important part of actually winning that championship. Absolutely, you know, he he had his best moment. Right, you know, right. No, no. I I think yeah. I think it was fifteen. It was fifteen. So it was like 
June of 15. He, we had just won. Yeah. He had this incredible moment against Wisconsin, he was diving about, out of bounds. Yes, like, scoring kind of at stuff, will. Got fouled. And he, like, was just he took a, Sam Decker to the hole over and over again. My friends are Wisconsin fans. They're going to cringe. He screamed, let's go. He fired yeah. up the whole team. Coach K later described that as his favorite moment as a coach ever, ever. of any kind. <laughs> More than the shot. Even <laughs> we, you and I who were at that game yeah. were like, Grayson – Allen, like Grayson Allen, is taking over his game. He then later that then the next year he has one of the best seasons anybody's right. ever had. I mean, right. so anyway, all right. So so so, uh, so Coach Hay writes notes to everyone. I I had uh, I had made this book, sent it to all my teammates, including the coaches, including Grayson Allen. Yeah, and you know I got some texts, some emails. Thanks for sending this book. This is really nice of you to do all this stuff. I got a handwritten note from Grayson Allen. Really. Huh. A handwritten thank you note. It's like, dear Mr. Chen, thank you for putting this book together. It's really great to think about, you know, the the run we had to the championship. You know, sincerely, Grayson Allen. Wow. And that to me really does show a character who he is. Uh, yeah, who he is. Like, uh, you know, and, and look, he's taking a page out of Coach K's book about handwritten notes, but he didn't have to do that. No. You know, he could have easily be like, ah, whatnot. I mean, and this is a. Like nineteen year old kid. Yeah. Right. No, that's amazing. Um, so anyway. Here's what I'm your getting at. Your 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 perspective as a fan has completely changed. And so I live in Charlotte. You live in Taipei, Taiwan. You're kind of physically distant from the whole yeah. Duke Carolina thing for most of the year, mm -hmm. right? I dwell in the Duke Carolina thing every day here, right? And mm -hmm. it's a thing around these parts, as you well know. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Uh, everybody who is a fan, and there's a lot of them, There's a, it's mostly Carolina fans around here, some Duke fans, and of course there's fans of other schools, but they're, they're just fans. And they don't have a connection to the real life of the program. And when you meet people, it's very common for us uh, to kid each other about it. If you see in somebody's bio that they went to one school or the other, you might, you know, you, may, you make comments to each other. Most of it is in good fun. Like, you know, most of the time people are like in good spirit, uh, joking around with each other. But every now and then, and it's not that uncommon, you actually run into somebody who's like actually serious about it. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, like, like there's visceral hatred. Yeah, like people who like literally actually hate Duke. You know what I mean? They think there's like something wrong with Duke. Right. Or they, they think that Carolina is like, in fact, better than Duke in some way, you know, like, like morally, you well, know what I mean? Like it, it, I've gone through a, a bit of a transformation in, in my own right. And I think it's part of just like growing up in a way. I, I feel like these people haven't grown up. You know what I mean? Like these people that we watch on TV, they're, they're people, you know, they, they have personalities. They're all different. They're all into all kinds of other stuff besides playing basketball. You through your many experiences over the years have had the opportunity to get to know these folks within the Duke program to understand the reality of this and that it's not just the gladiators wearing your colors on TV, you know, trying to vanquish the hated foe, you know, the, the sort of just pure tribal thing about it. To my way of thinking, it helps appreciate the humanity of the other teams as well and to yeah. understand that yeah. they they truly – and, you know, I and my family am close to the Carolina – program in a way you know like I'm, I'm married to a Carolina fan who grew up in Chapel Hill whose father was 
deeply white personal friends with Dean Smith and Roy Williams and you know he knows everybody in that world and it is easy to see when you actually know what's going on in these programs that they're they're people they're all doing basically the same thing and I, I'm just curious about like how you feel about it. it's it's it was a little bit surprising to me I, I gotta tell you I thought you were gonna be more down in the dumps about that loss a couple of weeks ago after that weekend I didn't know that I was being overwhelmed with emotion I just felt the emotion and what it was was this culmination of 29 years of following Duke really wanting the team to do well not just in terms of wins and losses, but to grow. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that that I am different as a fan is like you just want them to get better. And if they get better, they will win. Want them to be that team. Want want to come together as a team and have that pure experience to reach of their actually potential. Right, to, right. To perform what they're capable of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It really is this sense of gratitude. I felt so grateful that we had the privilege of witnessing and being part of this fan base for so many decades. Right. That, you know, and it didn't really matter if they won or lost. It was just the fact that, you know, there was this thing that connected us. There are three things that I feel have emerged in life that I come back to and I talk about all the time. And they're all cliches, so they're going to sound a little bit hokey. But I believe them 110%. And <laughs> that's a hokey cliche right there. Yeah, there 110%. Four. <laughs> okay. So the first thing is find your tribe, find your people, because life is all about connecting with other people. If you go about things alone, it can be fine. You'll survive, but it won't be as rich as if you connect with people that have the same value, same interest, same, same willingness to go through common experiences. The second part that is very connected to that is, you know, find joy in the process because the end result isn't guaranteed. Gotcha. And then the third thing is really pass it on to the next generation. Ah, yeah. You know, pay it, kind of pay it forward, if yep. you will. Yeah. And actually, all those things do come together for me at camp. Like now these days at camp, I've become quite a, one of the one of the more experienced campers, sure. being there for years. And, and like every year, even especially my own teammates, but even guys I meet for the first time, you know, I kind of tell them not tell them what it's about, but try to really make their experience as positive as possible. You've been going to this camp for years. There's a million stories. I've been present for a lot of them. Uh, what stands out for you as some of the most meaningful moments you've experienced as part of K Academy? So the way the the camp works is that there's five games of round-robin play on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So two games Thursday, two games Friday, one game on Saturday. And then uh, Sunday is a single elimination March Madness-style uh, tournament. And so uh, going into Saturday, I think we were one in three. Like we just had a terrible record. And like Friday night, uh, they have all these events. And Friday night, Jason Williams, Jay Williams goes around to all the different people in the team. Is like, you know, we're feeling like shit. You guys, we have to come together. Otherwise, we're gonna lose in the first round on Sunday. You know, we're gonna practice. You know, like we're gonna practice first thing on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. I'm gonna see you all in the camera floor. We're gonna practice at 8 a.m. And 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 one of the teammates spoke up. It's like, uh, you know, Coach K is gonna 
give a little small presentation at like 8.30. That's not enough time. So he goes, okay, 7 a.m. then. Ooh. <laughs> and like, oh. I'll tell you, uh, we show up the next morning at 7 a.m. And, and Jason Williams isn't even there. Like for like 15 minutes, we're just like looking at each other, all this stuff. And then he shows up. He's like, all right, let's get ready to go. And he starts running through us through all these drills and like working on a sweat. And then as as we're we're going through, like the rest of the camp is filtering in because Coach Kansas gives a talk at 8.30. Right. And Jason Williams is like, yeah, I don't care about all these guys. We're going to keep going. They're all wondering what is going on. Yeah, right? yeah. What like, you guys I, These guys are serious. Like they're practicing at you're 7 a.m. You're one and four. You're one of yeah, the worst yeah. teams <laughs> in the whole thing, right? So uh, we ended up winning that game that day. And so that evening, the night before – championship sunday they have what they're called team dinners and you're supposed to sit together with with your team and uh and you know kind of have this last bonding session before you play on sunday and that evening like we were fortunate enough that coach k attended at our team member team dinner like he sat at our table and um so jason williams uh you know addresses the team's like okay in 2001 the year we won the national championship we had our team dinner before the tournament began, and Coach K asked us to go around the table and describe what is our dream scenario for the tournament. And so um, that year, we're beating Arizona. Time clock's ticking down under the the game clock under thirty seconds or whatnot. And Lou Dolson had called off the dogs because we we're winning by ten. It was eighty-two seventy-two, and so uh, Chris Duhon, point guard at that time. Uh, was motioning over to Jason Williams, and Jason Williams is like really happy, but like he's like, what, what, what? Why are you asking me to come over? And he comes over, and Chris Duhon hands him the basketball and points straight up into the rafters because Duhon had remembered that Jason Williams's dream that he had described during the team dinner was to throw the ball up in the air as a buzzer sounded as they won the national championship, and that's exactly what happened, and so. He, Jason Williams has said, okay, I want you to also tell talk about your dream scenario, K Academy on Sunday, you know, like uh, w- what that journey is like. And so one guy would be like, I want to take a charge. Another guy was like, uh, you know, I, I want to hit a shot. You know, I haven't hit a shot all camp. Gary Munson, my 70 some year old teammate. And he was like, I just want to win what he, he had never won at K Academy. He's like, I just want to win one of these things before I die, you know, type of thing. Uh, and so uh, the next day, we barely win the first game. The second game, I remember we were playing Ricky Schnall, who's like the all-time leading scorer of camp. He's been there since the beginning. But we ended up be- beating Ricky and his team. And then the the third game, you know, we're winning by like 20 with like two minutes left to go. And uh, Jason Williams calls timeout. We come to the huddle and we're like, what, what, we're winning by 20. Like, what are we going to talk about? And he starts scribbling on, like, the whiteboard, the basketball whiteboard. And he, like, turns it around, and he had written dreams and had underlined it. Like, this is what we're here for. And and we, and we I look up, and he is crying. He has tears running down his face. You know, and he's like, w- you know, we're going to win the championship. This is what dreams are, and you, you should, you know, you, you know, always remember this for the rest of our lives. And I'll tell you right then and there, that is why you go to camp. Yeah. You go to camp because that was like, you know, we'll put that addition to getting married, having two kids, you know, birth of your two kids, the Christian Leitner shot. And Jason Williams, like, just being incredibly emotional and just, like, bringing together the whole experience in that one moment 
because it's an authentic emotional feeling. I love the fact that when you're talking to these guys, uh, which I've had the opportunity to do with you over the years, uh, these moments that you just described, this uh, this memorable event, this glorious victory that you had, these guys also uh, think in those terms about their own basketball careers. And so as an example, I remember having a conversation with a former player named Marty Clark one time, and he got to talk. And he started talking about uh, the time that he hit three free throws in the final four against Indiana, which is something as a fan, you remember that moment. It was near the end of the game. It was significant. He remembers that. and He tells the story. And you're talking about Jason Williams. I recall sitting with him one time and listening to him tell the whole tale of the the last minute of the game at Maryland mm-hmm. uh, that he played as a student. We, we refer to it as gone in 54 seconds, mm-hmm. where he was very like individually responsible for one of the most amazing comebacks at the end of a basketball game. And we heard the whole story from his perspective. And so the experience that you describe in camp, the way that you just told that story, is the same way that that these guys tell the stories about their own basketball experiences. And that's exactly what coach K is referring to when he talks about seizing the moment and rising to the occasion and taking the opportunity. And it's not so much about the outcome. And and, uh, and exactly. It's not about the outcome. That's why like point number two is like have joined the process because I think when I look at this year's Duke team and especially it being kind of coach K's final team that he's coaching obviously we want them to win the national championship it would be awesome if like the way he they go out you know as a team he goes out as a coach is as a national championship sixth championship but a lot of it is like you want them to have their moment that thing that brings them together for life march madness is special because you know the whole nation is watching you go through this very authentic emotional experience, you know, that won't come necessarily again in a basketball context for the majority of the people who play in this tournament. Right. You know, win or lose, like the whole one shining moment. Yeah. Most of them, they're not on national TV. They're not, it's not every moment is a joyful moment. Some of those moments are, you know, they're, they're tearful and they're angry and all these different things, but they're authentic moments. And and what is life but like a collection of authentic moments? Well, this team is fascinating in that, you know, we have a very skewed perspective as Duke fans just based on all the success that the program has had over the years. Like so, for us, you look at this and it's like, well, they've <laughs> you want you talk about wanting them to have their moment. Well, they've already not had the moment of winning that Carolina game at the end of the season, and they've already not had the moment of winning the ACC tournament. And for us, if they don't go to the Final Four or win the national championship, as Duke fans, we're just these, like, jaded, you know, spoiled fans I, I, in I many ways. I don't agree. I Actually, I do think they had a moment earlier this season because uh, when they beat Gonzaga in Vegas. And this the, is early on. This is, like, one of the first yeah, games this of is the year. December yeah, this is in December or whatnot. Like, we beat Gonzaga in Vegas, and Gonzaga was one, and, and we were not number one. At that point, I don't even think we were number two. I think we were like three or four or five or whatever. I really do think that Gonzaga game, hopefully it's not their only moment, but really was a, was a huge achievement. Gonzaga has become the Duke basketball program, you know, of this time. You yeah, know, and, and, and find I, a way to win. And they, they've been to seven consecutive Sweet 16s. You know, they haven't won 
but they've come super close, you know, all these different times. And and we didn't win as a program for many years. And that was late eighties, you know, from eighty six until uh ninety one that we won the championship in 91 we we you know the, the 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 word on the street was coach k couldn't win the big one yeah right right and that is kind of where gonzaga is and so that's what's that's uh anyway uh, not not to sidetrack it to gonzaga but it was yeah one of those things well by the time this podcast is released to the world uh the tournament's going to be over yep and we will know you and i are sitting here about to, we're going to we're going to fold up the laptop and head down to Greenville to see what happens against Michigan State in the round of 32, right? And yeah. We are not taking it for granted that we're going to win this game at all. <laughs> Michigan State is really good. Tom Izzo is a great coach. These teams have run into each other in the tournament many times. Yeah, we we, we usually get the better of them during the regular season. Yeah. I think our record is 12-3 and three against them in the regular season, but we're only 3-2 and two mm. against them in the tournament. Right. I'm super happy to be here. I'm super grateful to be able to be a Duke fan, to care this deeply about something that seems very trivial to a lot of people. I definitely want us to win. I want us to keep dancing. Yeah. I would love to go to San Francisco, see if we can actually win a game in the West region for once. We're 0-5 in the West Ooh, region. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, that's why terrible. I, I didn't want to be doing uh, it would be fantastic. It would be a great story to then play Gonzaga. Gonzaga still in the West region. It would be great to – to meet them in the regional final. I love the fact that the final four is in New Orleans this year. That's a better city than some to go. If well, if, you know, we've actually never played in New Orleans for the final four. And we've never won in a city that doesn't end with Apolis at the end. Like <laughs> we've won in Indianapolis. It's all Minneapolis and Indianapolis. We've won in Indianapolis three times. We've won in Minneapolis two yeah, times. Yeah, we never won in Antonio <laughs> or oh, yeah. uh, e- Edersburg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, well, I've 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 got the dates blocked on my calendar just in case uh, for of a trip to New Orleans. I would love to do that. You're talking to someone, and and I don't say this lightly, who got married on April 9th. Yeah, on purpose so that it wouldn't conflict potentially with a trip to the final four. Yeah, well, my daughter was born on April fourth, which has turned out to be rather inconvenient <laughs> from time to time. But well, both of my daughters were born in December, ah. and I remember like we're like this would be good if it really did not come anywhere close to March. April. Yeah, so it's, it's better. Pain. It's better that way. But we're <laughs> she'll be okay. We're we're going on a trip together shortly thereafter. Um, let me ask you this. What, what does Duke represent to you now, separate and apart from the ba- – we've been just talking about basketball this whole time, but what does Duke mean to you? And, I, and I'll set it up by explaining how I see it. Um, when I decided to go to Duke and when I started, what it represented to me was an academically elite institution. I, I really didn't know or care about sports. Uh, for me, I was like – a smart kid who wanted to go to a smart kid college, you know, and, and it, it felt good to me that I was going to a university that was perceived as prestigious in the world. And then when I got there, what it represented was sort of the mind expanding opportunity that college represents probably for everybody that goes to college in the it was it was college for me. And what that meant for me was the opportunity to explore new interests, um, to do serious academic work in a way where, you know, it was undergraduate work, but at the time, compared to high school, it was serious. You know what I mean? I did original research in classes, and I 
uh, took classes from professors who were very well renowned in their fields. And some of them were incredible educational opportunities. I had a wonderful opportunity to study abroad in Vienna. And um, uh, so I, you know, it was an, ex it was a bracing intellectual environment there. I met people from all over the country and all over the world, including you. And, and then since then, what Duke has come to represent to me above all is the people who I met there, uh, my friends, literally the, the relationships that I formed that persist and are important to this day. Uh, and I don't, to me, it's uh, the sports aspect of it is a, it's almost like an organizing principle uh, of, of related to those relationships in a way. It's like something to talk about. Um, and it's 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 an excuse and an occasion uh, to get together, uh, but I I don't think about um, I'm in a situation now where like my own kids are are in the mode of thinking about college and you know whether to go and wh when to go and uh, where to go and uh, so I'm I'm thinking about college kind of again in a way that I had never thought about it before. And I know you and I both have talked to young people who are thinking about who are preparing to go to college, and we've each given advice to people and some of it we were just talking about this the other day some of the advice that we've given has been kind of the same like what i always tell people is um think about like where geographically you want to be you know that's that's important that's meaningful like something just as basic as like the weather <laughs> is means a lot and then and how far you are from home like do you have to get on a plane to go home or are you able to drive home and, and also um the size of the school, I think, really matters a lot. There's a big difference between going to like a very small liberal arts college versus going to a very large state university. They're very different, you know, day-to-day -day experiences. Uh, I haven't really thought about it in that way, certainly as it relates to Duke in a long time. But I'm just kind of curious for you now, uh, with some distance from actually being in college, just kind of what, what the university means to you. Well, that's that's a great question. What you said at the very end with regards to kind of choosing the right school for for some for a young person, I think that is everything, because you know college is a really incredible um, time and opportunity. And what I mean by that is, you young people go into college really as as kids, not quite as children, but as kids, and they're expected to emerge from that. Society expects them to emerge from the, that as adults. So it is a very high growth period in their lives um, to become independent, to develop a sense of resilience, to be able to develop a sense of accountability. So I do think that it is really important to find the right environment. And it's not about what the U.S. News and World Report thinks the right school is. You have to look at finding the right school for you. And it's more important that the environment is the right school for you. And the only way you can appreciate that is to go visit the school. And I, I actually feel for a lot of the kids that had applied to school for COVID because you don't get that unless right. you go set foot on campus. It's hard to get that. I truly believe that when you do set foot on campus – well, just like you said, like you, know. you had that feeling. I think you can. I think you know. Yeah, I was fortunate. I applied to Duke blind. Like I had two friends that just said, "You should do this. Right. Be part of the Duke Pep Band. You'll enjoy it." And it ended up being perfect for me. Now, turning the question to Duke, it is the it is a a constant that I'm able to come back to.
every year there's March Madness. Every yeah. year there's Duke in the tournament. I, I think that's what it means to me. It's just been it's been my community. Duke has been my constant community for all this time. Randy, I want to thank you uh, for coming to Charlotte and spending time with my family and me here. Uh, I'm so happy that it worked out that Duke was playing in Greenville and also especially for coming in today uh, to have this conversation with me on the Steve Dunn podcast. I appreciate it very much. There's all kinds of things that we could have talked about, but I think talking about Duke and K Academy and uh, your journey as a sports fan over the years is a perfect way to kick this off. But we, we should do one of these every time you're in town. Absolutely. Would love to do it. It's been a blast. Thank, thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you.